Hello and welcome to the 158. Due to COVID-19 restrictions, we are all still in our homes isolating. So today we have a phone call with Jeremy McKenzie. If you like what you hear in today's episode, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Thanks. Hey, uh, today we got Jeremy McKenzie uh, on an episode. Uh, he's an outspoken veteran ambassador, to say the least. Uh, he's a former 2RCR member like myself. Uh, to give a little background, uh, I'll, I'll share a little bit of how I know Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy was poster, not poster, he was put into a golf company once we got back. Uh, I think it was two platoon, right? If I'm not mistaken, you were in two platoon with me. Uh, man, you got a sharp memory. I can't remember. I've been in a lot of platoons. I was in second and third, and like every company, you know, except the except the first battalion. But they're yeah, you know, they they suck. So, <laughs> so I I have a couple things that I remember that kind of stand out from our short stint together and it's remarkable that i remember these things because it was pretty short that we were together i remember that we were both pretty crusty and outspoken about training uh and good good, uh example of that is we had an lt come right across from gauge town put into our platoon and our first exercise going out we were just doing like a dry run we come under contact this lt says everyone take cover into a bush and I'm pretty sure it was something like, are you fucking stupid? Uh, <laughs> that came out of your mouth. Uh, yeah. yeah. I remember that, man. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I think it was that from that point, I was like, I like this guy. Yeah. Um, yeah I was like, yeah, hey, sir, Bush is, um, yeah, not bulletproof. Contrary yeah. to what you may have been taught, uh, leaves do not stop automatic weapons. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I definitely remember that. I also remember... Uh, Something that sticks with me and I still say today is um, economy of motion. And that was something that you picked up from Seesaw that you were hard on all the time. Yeah. Uh, and it goes back to the training too. Like I remember we first got back in golf company and it was like, we went right back to this whole war training scenarios. And it was like, why aren't we learning about IEDs? Why aren't we learning about this? And you just come back from some Seesaw training. And yeah. you were outspoken too. Like, what? What are we doing? Like, this is stupid. We're teaching these guys stuff that's not relevant. Yeah. Uh, that was a part that stood out. Uh, what else? Well, I'll step back now. Kind of go back, and uh, I'd like to know a bit about how you got to where you are. A lot of people know about the Omar Khadr situation. That was mm-hmm. uh, a Canadian viral video that went around. Um, and a lot of people start labeling you right away. He's far right. He's this, he's that. But I think if we went back and we kind of knew some of your story and like even your tour, uh, kind of what happened, it might give some perspective and insight to some of these people of kind of where you're at. Could you tell us a little bit about like your tour leading up to tour, that kind of stuff? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, the right, I I am a far right Nazi bigot, phobe, misogynistic, uh, evil you know, all, all of the things, right? Obviously, I'm a white guy wearing a plaid shirt. What else do you need to know, man? It's as bad as you get. <laughs> and basically, um, yeah, man. I mean, it was just, uh, yeah, the whole video was crazy. You know, I, I didn't do that for, for, for likes or for, for anything. I just, um, I am outspoken. And the whole Omar Carter thing was ridiculous, as, as everybody knows. I'm sure you guys are aware. But the worst part was, like, that's where I just, I was living in, in Halifax at the time. 
And one of our guys that was killed, Stanix, was, that was his hometown. And the idea that there's people going to show up to give him a standing ovation, which they did, Omar Cotter, the guys from his own town, you know, showed up to do that. And they were oblivious to, they just ignored me. They didn't even know what to do. No one would even look at me or speak to me. And I was like, this is, this is just disgusting. Like, I can't let, I can't not say anything. You know what I mean? I could just stay home and say nothing, but I, I can't. I have to. I wouldn't be able to live with myself. So, I mean, I don't really regret doing it. I, had, I took a lot of shit for that. I, had a lot I of remember it on. I remember on Facebook, I saw you posted something about getting your medals mounted and you're like, does it, do you know what, does anyone know where I can get my medals mounted? I'm going on a mission. And then when I saw the video go viral, I was like, oh, it all makes sense now. I get where <laughs> this was he planned ahead and it was pretty thought out. It wasn't just like a sporadic, I'm angry, going to go do this right now. It's actually something that meant something to you. Yeah, it was, it, it was an intentional act, man. Like, well, yeah, I said, I'm going, I have a special project I need done by Friday or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. I did get them in time, but yeah, those guys like Chris and, and Donnie and, and, and Greenslade and Kennedy and, and, um, and, and Poland and Willie, they were all killed by the Taliban. And here's a guy, a member of the Taliban, speaking in, in the city of one of the guys that was killed by the Taliban and was showing up to give him a, you know, put him on a, literally on a podium, on a pedestal. And one of our own, Gen Romeo Dallara was there. It was like, this is just, what, what upside down world am I living in right now that this is okay? Like in, in the span of 10 years, this went from like, this would never happen to, of course, this would happen. Why, you know, why wouldn't it? I'm like, I, I need to leave this city forever, I think. <laughs> I don't know what the hell is happening anymore. This is craziness, man. But yeah, that was a rough go. I was on 107, Task Force 107, January 07 to uh, August 07. Yeah, and those guys were killed Easter Sunday, if, you got, if anybody recalls that one, the Easter Sunday, fucking whatever they called it. And those guys were all killed by an IED and, and, uh, so, you know, anybody that's lived through that kind of experience, you don't forget that. And no. you think about those guys pretty much every day. And it's when something like that happens, anytime the government does something stupid or cuts funding or ignores this or does that or gives themselves raises or, or, or sends money to Saudi Arabia or Pakistan or China. And, and while, you know, guys are killing themselves and all like it always it just comes back, it comes back, comes back. It's like you're constantly giving you the middle finger all the time. And it's just like, I, you know. Why are you guys so angry? I don't understand. The veterans are all just, they've just got such an angry problem. Like, bitch, you try it. You try living, you put these boots on and you make it a week without punching somebody in the face. You know, you can have one of my medals. Yeah, it, I, it, Wait, I can answer that question. Hmm. I got a feeling you're standing there going, all right, this guy's going to speak. You know, I'm going to suck it up. And you're going, wait a second, I don't have to suck it up anymore. I can say like what's really burning inside of me. Yep. And I get it. I, I get it why you did it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't know if it's obvious. I'm kind of, a, I've always just been a motor mouth that talk too much. I've got an attitude problem. I was one of those guys, the problem, private corporal, master corporal guy who's just, uh, oh, fuck. whenever there'd be an after action report, and I'd be like, I get it. I'd be like, oh, fuck, Mackenzie, no, we'll be here for an hour now. You know, and it's like, I got a book and drop. It was that guy, right? And it's just a lot of guys would tell me these things that, um, you know, they'd follow, you know, my channel or whatever, and they're like, they agree. But not everybody in the infantry, especially, is very good at expressing themselves, especially in a, in a manner that isn't just grunts and violently smashing things. And you know what I mean? So yeah. I, I can do it. I can. So I kind of feel obligated to, in a way. Yeah. A lot of guys are like, thank you for saying that because I would, but I can't because I'll murder someone. You know what I mean? So yeah. you guys didn't have uh, discussion groups in the RCR battle school, like where you break out into little discussion groups and that? No, uh, I don't think so. 
<laughs> like college. Yeah, Derek gets it. Yeah. There were fight pits, there was drunken fighting and that kind of thing. And yeah. you know, people, you know, drawing dicks on each other and that kind of stuff, but not a whole Tell lot of about your feelings. Yeah. What about so to go back to that day specifically on Easter in 07, were you in country when that happened? <laughs> no, actually. So what happened was um we switched lead blocks. So my section, I was uh Charlie Charles section, there are three sections in, in that platoon. And they were the uh, Bravo sections. So we did Bravo Alpha Charlie, you know, that set up or oh, oh excuse me, I just ate a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> they were riding shotgun the whole way. They were the, the lead call sign. And uh it so we had the lead block that was the, everybody wanted, it was the middle of the tour. We were all single except for one guy, and they were all married except for one and had kids and the whole thing, and and we drawn the, the hot one everybody wanted right dead center the, you know so they asked like can we have your leave block we'll switch because you guys have nothing you're just a bunch of alcoholic degenerates you're just gonna you know <laughs> do the you Go know, Thailand lady boys yeah exactly so they wanted they so we were like sure man so so we switched and we went on leave and they said well, okay well when you guys get back <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna ride lead and then we're gonna you know because it's not fair that we take all the risk the whole time like yeah yeah of course so we left and then uh uh, about three days later, they got killed. Jeez. So that sucks. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Well, what was it like when, do you remember when you found out that they passed? Yeah, there was a snowstorm at home. It was a, there was an Easter party at home and I was walking home through like knee high snow and uh, passed out drunk at like, I don't know, three or four in the morning. And uh, my dad woke me up and he said, uh, yeah, six, six guys just got killed overseas. And I just, I remember I, I woke up and I sat up and I was like, I immediately knew it was ours. Because who else is in the field? You know what I mean? It was us in the field. It was going to be our guy. I didn't know necessarily it was my platoon, but the company was pretty tight. I mean, when you deploy with a, a company of 130 guys, you train together for a year, but you know everybody, a li- yeah. at least a little bit up to very well. So I was like, shit. And then, you know, the first name or two came through and it was like, now I know who exactly what call sign it is. And now we're scrambling, trying to figure out who's alive and who's dead out of, you know, six out of the 10 guys there. And it was a long day because... You know, they had to notify the families. They couldn't get a hold of anybody. And it was just, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was kind of surreal. It was like watching it. Um, Cause as we were deploying, doing the pre-deployment stuff, we'd watch it on TV. Uh, Medusa, we ripped out with the Medusa guys. So right before we started getting ready to go, it got crazy. That fall, that summer, that fall, I was just, there was somebody killed every other day. You know, two guys this day, three guys that day, another guy. And it was like, we were sitting around company stores, looking at each other, like, Oh, so it's oh, so we're doing this, are we? Oh, okay, okay. You know, so then it was, you know, that's one thing. But now I'm looking at, you know, the dead faces of our own guys on the on the screen, and I'm like, uh, you know, that's wild. And you know, one of my best friends, uh, Kevin uh, McGinney, had been killed in March, just you know, a few weeks prior to that. So it was just, you know, it was just getting weird. You know, you get that sinking feeling. You know, it's like a weird, hard to describe. Uh, oh, I know it. Yeah, they call they say it's like a punch in the gut. So like I, it's like a weird, almost vertigo sinking feeling in your gut where you're just like, you kind of go numb, and you're just it's weird. Yeah, and it, it it was a long day. It was a weird few days, and I could only yeah. imagine what it was like going back too. Like you're at home trying to enjoy some leave and relax a little bit, and then you got to go back. Yeah, it was like three days, and then that happened, and then that was on your mind the whole way. It's like half bloodthirsty. I'm gonna kill everybody. Half like fuck. I'm probably gonna die now. You know, because yeah. it was the first big thing that it, like not much of it. We had a couple of little skirmishes in the tour early because we got showed up in the winter time and not much usually happens until the spring, summer, you know, but so it wasn't too crazy, but 
then it was, you know, it's, everybody was kind of gung ho and having fun until that point. And then the attitude had changed entirely by the time we got yeah. back. And uh, some guys were so traumatized by it and it was disturbing. I, a couple of these guys, if personally, if I had been the, the uh, you know, the warrant officer, I would have had them removed and sent home, honestly, because they were walking around calling it the accident. Like, well, ever since the accident, and I said, the accident? Like, yeah, you know, the accident. I was like, they weren't, it wasn't an accident, dude. They were killed by the enemy, okay? They were killed on purpose. Do you know where you are right now? Do you know what's happening? Accident, you know, it's like, ooh, okay. That guy's not doing well mentally, you know? You don't accidentally drive over three anti-tank mines and, and blow the fucking back of your lab in half, you know? I, I ended up with pictures from the lab from that because we ended up having guys from our tour uh, yeah. from your tour that were actually in hotel company too. Uh, oh, yeah. so somehow I ended up and yeah, it was uh, it was surreal to see what yeah. an explosion can do to a lab and then obviously we experienced it ourselves. Um, it, yeah. What was when you first went back, how how does that happen? Like I was I was there for the incident, so I yeah. I couldn't imagine, and it's something I've never really thought about much until you just brought it up. The guys that were on HLTA and then yeah. had to come back to like this atmosphere. Um man, it was kind of um it was it was positive in a way. Like we wanted to be there with them and they were like happy to have us back. You know what I mean? It's like um it's like you you know, having your family like if like you have a death in the family and then you have your family members come, you know what I mean? It's comforting in that way. Um, it was hard. Like, I remember I had to, I had to clean out, uh, cause Kevin was my roommate there, Kennedy. And I was like, I had to clean out a lot of it cause they didn't know whose stuff was whose and they left a lot of it. So I'm like, clean up the stuff. And it was just, um, yeah, it was hard. And then we had the replacement guys come in and I felt bad for them cause they're just like kind of excited. Like, like we had been months earlier and we were just not, you know, having it anymore. Like that's the wrong attitude now. We're all angry and, and uh, you know. Shooting at everything that comes too close. And Yeah, we were kind of angry. And, and, and the other thing too is like uh, the attitude before we went there, like, oh, nothing had ever killed a lab yet. Like G-Wagons and RG-31s and that kind of stuff. But we had, we had the lab and no one had been killed in a lab yet. And I, I remember having these arguments with guys like, dude, they're just going to build bigger bombs. You know, yeah. they're killing guys in Iraq and Bradley's like, well, that's Iraq. They don't have that kind of stuff in Afghanistan. We'll be in Like there was guys that didn't think we would lose anyone. It would be impossible. And then this happened and it was like, they weren't, there was still a lot of the uh, uh, 90s era uh, NCOs, especially that were like, uh, we used to just drink. We don't, this, you know, we're not prepared for this kind of shit at all. They were like hoping it was just going to go. There were guys that didn't want to leave the fob anymore. We had one NCO who, who had a gastro. Anytime it was patrol time, we go, oh, boys, I don't feel too good. Yeah, we know. Yeah, we know. You're sick. Yeah, stay, stay behind like you always fucking do. These are some of the sergeants that were, that were doing this kind of shit, right? So We had one, uh, one specific warrant officer that was the exact same way. And we yeah. had another one that was with CQ that uh, 20-something years, never been on tour. And then all of a sudden, it's, he's doing calf runs. And then all of a sudden, the boys get hit. And yeah. then, oh, uh, my back's hurting. It's like, yeah. Oh. Mm -hmm. suspect to say the least yeah, yeah. so what was the rest of tour like for you then after that you had some skirmishes before big ins i won't call it an incident they were killed <laughs> before you harp on me too uh and then uh the, what was the rest of tour like for you and then getting back home it got pretty hairy after that um that was april they got killed and then um about three wasn't long after that we started getting uh we started getting hit regularly they would bomb our uh, leaguers with mortars and uh, 
Uh, they'd like do the, the weird 107 rockets, like leaning up against rocks and set them off with candles or shit, whatever they do. Yeah. That kind of shit. And there was a couple of sniper attacks. Like they didn't hit it, but it, just enough, right? It's like, I'm just trying to smoke a damn cigarette, you know, and somebody's shooting at me. You're like, fuck, man. Like, I hate this damn place. And, you know, there's kids throwing rocks and it just got greasy. And there was a couple of patrol clearances we do. And uh, Nalgum was a, was a shithole. That village, we, we got hit through every time we went through there. Sangastar was bad. Zangabad was bad. It, it's named Zangabad, so it's bad. Of course it's bad. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> there, go there. Just don't go there. And we yeah. would keep going there, and it would always happen. It's like, well, you know, uh, yeah, we had we had a few decent gunfights. India Company had some, had quite a few, and they had a they had a company commander who just loved he he moonlighted as a JTAC and just loved to bomb the living shit out of everything he could. Hut <laughs> <laughs> with one guy in it, and he'd be like calling in two million dollars worth of ordnance on this great hut just because he could, just because yeah. I think he liked things burn, you know. But it was pretty crazy. It's- I heard stories about that tour. I heard that you guys, uh, maybe it was India Company, but I would assume that you guys were working close together, uh, going into villages and dropping off pamphlets by helicopter or something saying, don't be in town by this time. And if you're outside, then you're considered a threat. Uh, I know that the Medusa guys did that. One RCR yeah. definitely did that. I don't know if we did or not. I can't remember. We had, we had a few. We had the Portuguese commandos attached to us once. That was a riot because they were not commandos. They were... Um, <laughs> bikini models more or less did a lot of sun tanning and they were you know silly and ridiculous they were drinking all the time it was pretty funny um yeah indie company had some we had some good scraps with and uh luckily miraculously we didn't lose anybody from uh i don't think we lost anybody else from the company for the rest of the tour but it was like not for lack of trying like i had a pocket shot off one of my combats my right i had a water bottle in it and i went to get it it's gone all pockets ripped all right off um like the guys like rpk burst the whole the whole section and we'd all be like we're all fine. One guy's got a, you know, his helmet covers torn. My pants are torn. Like everything mm, didn't hit anybody. It's like, what? <laughs> I could just imagine that Taliban machine gunner. like, fucking hacker, dude. Like, really? <laughs> what the fuck, man? Like, you waited. We were all in the open and just let it rip and didn't hit anybody somehow. Um, I had a fucking OPG. I'm, I'm deaf in my left ear. I lost my hearing aid on the way out here. Uh, hit an olive tree like seven, eight meters in front of me. And I just tried to get down out of the way and it hit the, you know, blew my fucking ear to shit um you know i, I have a good story of rpg from you uh, i forget how it came up but you're we're just telling different stories about being overseas and then you're like yeah this one time we were just chilling by the labs or by a wall or something like that and all of a sudden rp rockets start coming and i'm just like rocket war <laughs> yeah my buddy brad was carrying the m72 and he hated it and he was like i'm shooting this as soon as i can as soon as anything happens i'm just firing it so i can throw it away and then soon they came in, he just yelled rocket fight and just fired it and threw it away. <laughs> what did you shoot that at? He's like, I don't know, someone's kids. I don't know. Fuck, whatever. <laughs> just fired it that way. It went that way yeah. towards the noises. Same flight path, just the other way. <laughs> yeah, those things were a pain in the ass to cover or carry. They they're just awkward. Yeah, it's just more it's just shit on top of shit. There's just straps on straps on and you're just sweating and it's hot and it's in your eyes and you're like i can't see i can't breathe it's fucking bang boom i like i hate everything and can we just nuke this place and leave it's hell on earth <laughs> uh, giant monsters bugs walking around there's killer snakes who lives there why do you live there why would you ever live there i don't know scorpions it's horrible jeremy i gotta ask you this question because it never made sense to me and it, it became a big issue in in your era blousing the boots 
<laughs> Chuckle says what's your, what's your rule? The rule? Well, well everybody it was your your call. The the uh, I don't carry away. I mean, it's pants. You know what I mean? It's not going to make you like oh plus five to fucking speed if your boots are plows. Yeah. Not going to make any damn difference as far as I care. But it's the RCR, and we're all very much about dress and deportment troops. Conduct yourselves in a very professional manner. You know, and they always, the Patricias didn't give a fuck. Dude, when we rolled in there, this is the biggest difference between the, the Patricias and the RCR. It was hilarious. The RCR guys were pretty rough and whatever, but we came into a, a Mazumgar, and they're supposed to do a week-long handover with these guys. They're going to, you know, show us where everything, you know how it is when you rip out with these guys. And they're like, okay, here comes your lav. And the way that, uh, especially second battalion is everything's very strict and very by the book and very safety or rules and you know it's like battle school all the time a lot of, in, in a lot of ways and the bat and the infantry school is there and it's just a lot of that mentality so this lab backs up the ramp comes in first of all the guy driving the lab is up in the in the crew commander's hat she's not wearing a shirt at all he hasn't shaved in a week at least or more his hair is fucking crazy he's just naked from the Whatever, he's in flip-flops and combat foot pants, jumps down, the ramp comes down. The inside of the lab is not a little bit of porn. It's covered in porn. There is no walls. It's just porno everywhere. There's kill counts marked in the lab, like with markers that someone had put in, right? And then uh, and the, and the, as the fucking ramp comes down, a couple of 40 millimeter grenades just roll out onto the ground, just loose everywhere. <laughs> Our CQ is like horrified, like, and the guy's like, see you later, and just leave. <laughs> that was our handover to VP. You know? It's like, Your problem now. I uh. doesn't give a fuck. It was insane. <laughs> so, but yeah, we had the boots plows. I actually had a funny story about that. And an NCO, I don't want to say who he is because it's embarrassing, and I think he just didn't know what else to do. We had our entire platoon pinned down in a great field once. My RPKs, are, anytime anybody tried to move, it was just, you know, hellstorm. And we were stuck. We, the vehicles couldn't get to us. They couldn't, you know. And uh, our platoon commander was on leave when this happened. So the NCOs were in charge. And uh, we were, I thought he was crawling over to see if we were okay. You know, because just going around, you guys okay? You Everybody good? We good? You know, he's coming over. And I was like, oh, look, here he comes. He's going to come ask if we're okay. And he goes, you're fucking boot blousings. My boots were unbloused. I was like, what? You know, <laughs> people are shooting rockets at my head. And you're worried about <laughs> my pants, dude? You know, <laughs> we teased him about bro. He was the guy that was always like, keep your gloves on, put your ballistic eyewear on. It's like, he just didn't know what to do. So he's like, dress the department. He went full RCR and didn't know what else <laughs> yeah. to do. Why did he start calling drill commands? Fix bayonets, right turn. Like, what are you, okay, calm down. Just yeah. Our uh, EOD team, we had, there was an IED that was stuck in the ground and this guy, he's got the full suit on, he's shoveling at it, picking at it. He just stri starts stripping down. Everyone's like, what is he doing? And he mic'd over, he's just like, if I'm going to go, I'm going comfy. Like, <laughs> I'm over there. <laughs> it's like, I'm sweating and this ain't going to stop me. It's not going to save me at the end of the day. Yeah, <laughs> sweating your eyes isn't going to help. Yeah. Yeah, it's not going to matter. Yeah. Yeah. There's another Sergeant Major, a guy we had. Who was he? Was he... Uh, was it, I don't want to say who it is, but they, uh, one of the guys had their eye, because it's sweaty and it fogs up and they suck, man. Those ballistic glasses, the issued ones, you know, I learned and bought, you know, Oakley M-frames after that. Dope, you know, but the issued ones were horrible. And uh, we just would take them off, like up in the OPs. And this guy comes scrambling over, I'm like, oh, what does he want now? And he's like, they got airburst rounds. Put your glasses on. It's like, if an airburst round goes off next to my head, 
having glasses on is just going to be a nice feature of my headless corpse. You know, <laughs> make any goddamn difference, man. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, nitpicky with this kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, wear them, don't wear them. You're probably going to get shot in the neck anyway. Who cares? Have fun. It's a good time. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. What was uh what was it like coming back home, like coming back to battalion? Uh it was weird. It was weird how you know everything kind of just slowly went back to normal. Like nobody really knew how to act anymore. It was like, all right, was we're like- back in town now, so so uh I don't uh, you know, it was weird. It, it took a little while to adjust to and get back to normal and then new guys would filter in and well I love it. A lot of the units got broken up. I ended up moving over to Indy Company shortly after that. And I was there. And uh, they had some stories too. <laughs> but it was pretty fun. But uh, I don't know. It was uh, it was it was different. I guess it was it was hard to hard to give a shit as much as it was before. Like a lot of guys took the training like way more seriously, and I, not 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 seriously, but um, they're a lot more lighthearted about it. I guess more like uh, if you ever worked with any of the soft guys at like uh, the hill or, or do I like it's serious and, and you know do your job and everything, but. Don't don't sweat it too much. I mean, it's training, right? That's why we're here. That's why I make a mistake, whatever. It's it's cool, man. Just you know, it, that's why we're here. But before that, it was like you know, you were fucking twelve seconds too slow on the left flank, and oh, I'm gonna fucking you'll never see your children again. You're on duty <laughs> for nine years, and it's like you know that just kind of went to yeah. Because it was like, how can you really get that fired up about shit when like people were just trying to saw your head off with PKMs like a year ago? Yeah, like, yeah, I'm not super concerned. That there's not enough water bottles, I it's fine, you know. I don't really care that the chairs are kind of crooked anymore. Like it's not that big of a fucking deal, you know. <laughs> so it lightened up for a little while, which was cool. But then eventually it went back to stupid as as the vet guys filtered out, and then you have new people come in from from the school and other places that didn't deploy. There was lots of them that were just kind of hiding. That were like, oh, is the shooting stopped? Is it safe to come back now? And they would they all lined up for the, the ice cream tours towards the end for the teardown stuff and the easy. Easy goes, and they all got yeah. their, their their campaign stars. Go, I was in Afghanistan too, and I'm like, were you though? Were you really though? Ah, uh, the term is experiences may vary, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, How long until you ended up going to Seaswear uh, to do that selection? When was that? That was in 2009, I think. Fall 2009. You, yeah. So you got back late 07. Yeah, August. Yeah. Yeah. So a year and a half later. I wanted to go that year in August. It was like, I had no time. I was like, selections in a month. I'm like, I've been drunk till tonight, just till now. You know, I was like, there's no <laughs> way. So I went, I think I did PLQ that, that next year. And then I went, I went after that. So I had a little PLQ warm up, and then went. Is there a, any secret squirrel stuff you can tell us about that or? Uh, uh, not really. I mean, it's not as exciting and crazy as people think it is. It's just, a lot of practice really they're not there's no secrets but it's like well they're really good at shooting it's like because you shoot for nine fucking hours a day for a month you know you get yeah. blisters from loading mags it's like i don't like this anymore this is horrible <laughs> you, <can practice laughs> same shit. you like maps and compasses no well you're gonna hate them even more because we're gonna do nav training for a fucking month solid you know you're never gonna see them. weekends the whole goddamn thing here till two in the morning every night so they just fucking bang and bang away at it forever. But yeah, the yeah. selection was a beast. It sucked. And it was pretty, yeah. pretty funny. So it, pretty good, though. Yeah. It, was, it was an experience. I liked it. In the end, once it was over, I fucking wrecked. I broke my foot. I had to cut off a toenail with a Gerber. It wouldn't fit in my I had a huge blood blister. I Both my heels got huge. For some reason, 
I, I was really sleep deprived and tired at the very end, the last day or so, last like 26, 30 hours, I started, started to, the heels of my feet started to feel a little bit like I, I might be getting blisters or something. Like, well, <laughs> you better sort that out. I'm like, I know. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to use the CF sock system. Big fucking mistake. So, you know, the black, uh, the inner black sock and then the yeah. green one and the whole thing. Well, all that does is create these, this layer of friction under your goddamn feet. And after like four or five K, I had blood blisters like that on the bottom of both of my heels. So I had to walk on the, on the balls of my feet for like 20 K the last yeah. um, day or so of the selection. And it was, I was walking like a zombie or like a crippled, you know, towards the end of it. And <laughs> after it was over, I'm trying to walk to the meal hall there in Petawawa to get food. And the other guys are leaving and I'm like, shambling across the parking lot they don't help me because they're fucking savages they're not there's like oh look at this zombie like push me on the way by like <laughs> fuck you like can't even walk you know <laughs> fucking ruthless animals i love them i remember you telling me we can cut this out if you don't want this in here but uh near the end of the selection your sister there was something that happened with your sister right wasn't that yeah that's when i was i was on the operator course yeah and she got she was sick yeah or, well no and it's it was bad and but I, I was dealing with a lot. I had a lot of depression issues and what I didn't, I was PTSD and, and the methylquin poisoning and all that shit. I didn't know. It was just, I know that I wake up every day and feel like fucking garbage, like all the time. It's like, I'm just like, you're going to go to the range. It's like, maybe I'll go to the range. Maybe I'll eat my gun. We'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, it's like, you can only do that for so long before you're like, I don't know what's wrong, but I got to fucking go home, man. Like, this is not good. And, uh, you know, I felt better for like two days when I was back in yeah. Italian. I was like, whoa, you know, and it was, you know, maybe a, a little while later, you know, you go to the MIR and they're like, yeah, you should probably, uh, <laughs> you should probably be, you have to go see somebody. I'm like, really? Is this not normal behavior? They're like, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, it was basically, it was ended up being, you know, PTSD and all that, and the mefloquine poisoning, who knows what, but, you know, yeah. but he's healthy at the end of the infantry career. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, I want Jeremy, I want to ask you something about that because I know in the PPCLI there's some guys with mefloquine, uh, they're advocates. Mm. And I don't know, maybe that's a whole other podcast to get into. But um, I, I didn't want to just let that slide through because I know there is some issues there. And, and I've heard it from a lot of reputable guys through all different eras that it's an issue. Yeah. yeah What's your take on that? Well, I mean, they made us take it like – so I don't know, like we, we didn't know, we just, we didn't really know how serious it was. It was just, we kind of assumed that, I mean, it's the arm, they're not going to give you like poison. You know what I mean? Like maybe it'll fuck you up a little bit, but it's not going to do anything. Right. Like we trusted them. You know what I mean? Like we trusted it. Like here, just take these pills. Uh, it turns out there should have been a briefing. Here's the potential side effects here. We, there should have been a follow-up. They should have checked on you every couple of weeks. There's supposed to be a medical file. There's supposed to be medics that follow you. And, and you know, none of that was done whatsoever. They lost the medical file. So they're just, they don't, whoopsie doodle, they don't exist. And apparently they've known since the seventies and eighties that these, these pills cause uh, severe brain damage and cause symptoms very similar to PTSD. So all of a sudden, all of the air force clerks and Navy cooks and all these people would, oh, I was in calf and now I have PTSD and I'm punching holes in my PMQ. We're like, what bitch? You know what you mean? You, you didn't do anything. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Did you take the mefloquine pills though? Oh, now I see there might be a huge problem. So, you know, and it turns out it does some pretty gnarly stuff. And, you know, guys are going crazy and killing their family, you know, like this crazy stuff is happening, all the suicides and nobody really knows what's going on. And it could be those pills. And now there's a massive 
uh, 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 mass tort litigation lawsuit against the government um, by uh, Howie Sachs and Henry law firm out of, out of Toronto. And I'm a part, a lot of guys are part of it. Then anybody that's taken Mepliquin and deployed, they're like, contact us and we'll fucking add you to the, uh, the lawsuit. And they're suing them for a lot of money. I don't expect to see a dime of that until I'm dead in the ground because I think they're still waiting for the Agent Orange payouts or something. But uh, yeah, it was just a malaria pill. And they said, you can take one every day or this other one, which is once a week. And well, obviously as an infantry guy, you're gonna say, well, you have to take the one that's once a week. It's less shit for me to carry, less things to remember, less, right? Like obviously, so that's what mostly everybody took. And you would take them and uh, you'd have crazy, wild, insane dreams. But I do remember distinctly that, you know, when you'd get up, in the morning and ever since then around that time i had like uh, some minor to moderate like disassociation symptoms i didn't know what it was called at the time i just remember thinking like i don't feel right you know you know if you wake up like you're in a deep sleep and then you wake up and you're like 95 percent awake but you're not quite there yet that's pretty much how i've been operating ever since and it's a weird kind of it's hard to describe but it's almost a weird kind of uh but apparently that's a symptom and there's a lot of other ones like a persistent cough i've had that I've had, you know, all the other, you know, rage problems and depression problems. And, uh, you know, it sucks. And it's like, yeah, it's permanent brain damage. You know, yay, great. But they didn't warn anybody. And they didn't say, you know, they just wanted to pass it off as, oh, you probably just have, you know, PTSD. It was like, that's a much easier, much less expensive option to pay people out and go away for. And the alternative, which is criminal negligence. And somebody probably made a lot of money on those pills. And hopefully someday we'll find out, but I'm not going to hold my breath on it. Well, it's unfortunate. It leaves a lot of questions unanswered too. Like, I don't know how well you knew Desi, but like situations like that, right? Where yeah, I'm sure that was part of it because I knew that guy, and that made no sense. That was crazy. But I've known a lot of guys since then that I've you know watched deteriorate, even you know, in parts of myself also, just get worse over time. I was actually talking another guy. He's a a Patricia veteran. Sean Arnston is a is a advocate of that out there. And, um, you know, I talked to him, you know, often too. And I said the other day, I was like, do you ever worry like, um, like what if I get dementia at like 40, you know, like what is the long-term effects of it? Is it going to get worse? Like nobody knows, nobody has any idea and they didn't tell us. So it's like, I have serious, you know, I have brain damage now and hmm, you know, there's, there's no manual or, or treatment. Like, I don't know what to do with it or how to, how to handle it. Or is it going to get worse? Is it going to be, um, you know? Am I going to go crazy at 50 or 40 or I don't know. Like it sucks to to, that's always in the back of your head someday. Like every time you start to feel kind of confused or whatever, it's like, yeah. <laughs> am I, would I know if I was losing my mind? I don't know. I hope so. But Well, that's, not. that's the other part for sure. It's like, you start questioning, like, do I have PTSD or like, like there's so many questions left unanswered that, and when you're already trying to sort through your own thoughts, you're just yeah. compounding problems for your own thought process at that point. Right. Yeah. That was a disconnect too with me, like, especially because I was like, they kept, oh, you've got PTSD from all. I'm like, okay, I guess. But I'm like, I don't, there wasn't anything that really like traumatized. Like, I was like, I could talk about whatever. There was a lot of fucked up stuff that happened, but none of it was like, you know, I didn't consider myself traumatized by any or any by any means or anything like that. But I had a lot of these weird, like, I would just, you know, I did not used to be impulsive. Now I am. I didn't used to have, um, you know, anger issues. Now I do. I didn't used to have sleep, massive sleep. Now I problems. Now I do, you know, all these kinds of things like, Oh, it's PTSD. And I'm like, okay, but it's not tour stuff that's bothering me. I'm just generally a mess now for some reason. And yeah. some guys aren't. And that was another, like some guys that did the exact same thing as me and they're fine. And other yeah. ones aren't. So it's like, what, 
you know, some guys took the pills and they're fine. And other ones aren't. And it could be age, like depending on how old you were, it might affect you. I was only 20 when I deployed. So, you know, your brain's not even fully developed till you're 25 and you're taking these, these pills. And, and the U.S. military since discontinued t- uh, issuing them to people because they know how, how bad they are. And I think Canada just stopped recently. And it's still an option. You can still opt for it if you want to, which is bananas. That's weird. Wow. All right. Yeah, I think we're going to, I think that's going to be something maybe we can get a little more into in future episodes. Cause I, I yeah. like I said, I think it's become, it's a big issue and yeah. I'm sure there's some airborne guys that would like to talk about it too. I'm sure because it's, you know, there's, there's a pattern there of, of guys just kind of snap. Like I've, I've pretty, I've always had maybe too much like impulse control. You know what I mean? Like sometimes when I maybe should have acted, I wouldn't. Now it's the opposite. So it's like, imagine being a guy that maybe was kind of on the fence already and then add this extra like gasoline on the fire and he goes nuts and he, you know, shoots his family or something. Some of the things that you see happen or, 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 you know, kills himself on an impulse or whatever. Right. So, but I would, I would look at John Dow an RCR guy. He's like a big time advocate for that or Sean Arnston even. And yeah, there's a few of them around. I don't think that you're 19 years old, 20 years old, taking this drug. And your brain yeah. has not fully developed. Yes, that there is going to be problems. Yeah, I don't want to downplay the seriousness of the traumatic events, though, that take place, and and the, the serious mental health that goes behind some of those situations as well. Like, you can't just say that everyone is now who was diagnosed with PTSD. Well, it's mefloquine, but you also can't say anyone diagnosed with with methylquine issues it's ptsd you know what i mean well, like i would say i would say it's both but it, yeah, it would exactly. it would the uh like support trades and people that like literally you know sorted boxes and calf and now have ptsd like well that ptsd was like you have to be in fear for your life like you're traumatically engaged to a point where your heart rate is is maxed out and you're like stressed to a level that is you know not you're not prepared for kind of thing like did you do that sorting boxes like, were you afraid for your life at the defect? Like, are they going to run out of pancakes? Like, really, though? You know what I mean? That There's that issue. But then there's other guys. Like, if they've got PTSD and mefloquine on top of it, yeah. good luck dealing with that, man. And, you know, in society, is like, whoa, why don't you guys do – have you tried going for a walk? Have you tried – it's like, take <laughs> regular people – non-soldier types and, and put this kind of baggage on them i mean you'd be breaking people left and right some of these guys walking around dealing with this and still working full-time jobs and and managing themselves is like you're they man find me harder to break human beings in the world if you can because i don't think you could dealing with that stuff on a regular basis like man yeah i i think uh i think that's probably a good spot to wrap for this one i want to we want to have you back on for sure 100%. but i think that's oh, a great way to to kind of wrap it up because i think that to bring it back to that omar Cowder and kind of the situation that you've been in i think that's a great spot to end because this i want really wanted to have you on to highlight kind of what you've been through and where where it's come to that point that you're kind of going like what the fuck is going on right now? Um, it's not just impulse. It's not just sitting back and deciding. There's events that have taken place that have led to this. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of what, I mean, you know, you know rage, right? That's the like part of the channel, the YouTube channel. But, like, uh, guys, I'm angry as, as shit. And, and a lot of people should be. And, and like, uh, you know, your buddy was saying there, like, um, you know, I don't have to be quiet anymore. And you're used to having to be in a quiet professional and you just shut up and do what you're told. It's like, no, I'm a civilian now. And a lot of my friends are dead and in the ground and they don't get to say anything anymore. And I'm watching these politicians and these liars in these seas walk around on their corpses 
and do things that are a dishonest disservice to their memory, to their families, to, to all of this. And nobody says anything. And, and I'm looking around. I talked to other vets and before I even did any of this stuff. And I'm like, is anybody going to do anything? And they're all just like, oh, somebody should do something. I was like, who are we waiting for? The taxi cab union? The nurses union? Like, who do you think, if we don't say anything, who in the name of God is going to? No, nobody. Like, that, who, who would you expect if you're, if you're in society being like, man, somebody should speak up about how poorly this country is being run and how it's being jammed into the ground? Who do you suspect that, what, what class of citizen would that be? I would yeah. think veterans should say something. And like the World War II guys are gone, man. They're, they're 90 years old or they're gone. So it's like, if we don't do anything, look in the mirror if you want to blame somebody. Because, you know, that's your job. You're, you signed up to protect the country, right? And to, you know, fight for its ideals and the, and, the, and the people that live here and everything. That doesn't end when you take a uniform off. Like, you can't just stand there and, and watch the government get away with the stuff that it does and not say anything. At least I can. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole nother, another topic we could bring up another time for sure, too. Because I see I see things a little bit slightly different. Like I signed up to fight for the government that's in power too. And you know, I may not be a supporter of the government that's in power, but it's the government that's been voted in. Do you know what I mean? Like that's but anyways, that's a that's a whole different topic we can go on for for a long time, I'm sure. (laughs) And that's even grin. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh before we go here, is is there anything that we can plug for Jeremy here? Yeah, we're gonna let's we're gonna add in the Raging Humanist uh, YouTube. Um, awesome. I want to do the John Dow and the Mefloquin. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. Yep. Is there anything else? I what about we'll highlight uh, the boys that were lost on Easter in 07. and awesome. then uh, is there anything else, Jeremy, that you think we no, can? I'm, add? Not, I'm banned for life from Twitter anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's J Mac J M A C K six seven four on Instagram, and that's that's pretty much all I got. I'll be banned from that soon. soon. <laughs> yeah, I heard, I've heard lots of rumors about you. I, you're definitely someone who can share uh, a lot of different ideas and get some get some dialogue going for sure. I recommend going and following. May not may not agree with everything that he says though. I'll, I'll point that Absolutely. out. I, I love that you're passionate about it, and that's I think that's important. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think your intention is in the right place for sure. And and I appreciate you standing up for for those. A lot of the stuff that you talk about, I strongly value. So I thank you for that. All right. So be sure to go check that stuff out. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The 158. If you like what we're doing here, please connect with us on our social media sites on Facebook and Instagram. It would mean a lot to us if you shared your favorite episode with your friends. And like always, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Thanks again.